This episode is sponsored by Bank of Montreal Financial Group. At Bank of Montreal, they boldly grow the good in business and I life. One of my friends back home, they asked me to help out their friends to complete application for the immigration to Canada. She said to me, why don't you do one for yourself? Lucky enough, I got the invitation to go for the interview literally in two weeks after submitting the application. So when I got the bank card, I was like, okay, what is it? And he, he looked at me like, I'm so, sort of from a different universe. And I said to him, I, I've never seen anything like this. I started applying to different banks and again, was not very successful in getting in because I was sort of been told the same thing. You are way overqualified to go in an entry-level job, but you don't have any experience in Canada. So really, we're not looking to hire somebody who doesn't know how, you know, approach customers or anything like that. Hey listeners, so glad to have you back for another Immigrantly episode. This is your host, Sadia Khan, and I'm here today with quite the provocative interview. One that exposed me to perspectives that aren't foremost in my thoughts and to a world with which I am quite unfamiliar. Banking. Yep, we are going to talk about banking today. Now, you may be scratching your head right now and wondering, what is she talking about? Well, to clarify, what I mean is I am aware, like many of you, that I hold opinions. Some would deem unrealistic or too radical. At least my husband thinks that. For you veteran listeners, this confession shouldn't come as a surprise. So when I interviewed my today's guest, I was reminded that the immigrant narrative is oh so vast and that passing judgment on certain forms of activism in light of institutional power is a slippery slope. I was actually compelled to think about how we might affect meaningful change in the very systems that others seek to dismantle. No doubt grassroots is appealing for a reason, but what if we had to do it within the bounds of our institutions? Because they are also sources of support, income and ambition, right? Alexandra Mori seems to have some answers. As a woman of unflinching drive, Alexandra embraces her identity as the regional vice president at Bank of Montreal, BMO, because she believes it's a company that has done and can lead in good work, specifically in regards to diversity and inclusion. We have many tools available to us in the bank to help clients. But the ability to understand what the objective of the customer is requires us to have a dialogue with them. Having grown up and lived out part of her adulthood in Ukraine, when it was still under the Soviet Union Republic, Alexandra is no stranger to the push and poles of immigration. Ones that are especially hard to bear 
as a woman and mother. We talked about what it is to be an executive at one of the world's top banks, how she fought to get there while confronting other challenges of being an immigrant. Her story is rich and unique, but I also think it is, at the very least, emotionally representative of the many strife we all have encountered. Let's get started. We are rolling. Alexandra, I am so excited to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me. So in case you didn't know, you're one of few immigrantly guests from outside the U.S. Wow. Okay. Wow. Really proud to be from Canada. <laughs> Shout out to all our listeners there. Um, I believe we have quite a few and I'm so excited because Canada holds a special place in my heart. My dad went for his bachelor's to McGill University in Montreal. So we grew up hearing stories about McGill and Montreal and there are so many nice memories associated with that. Yeah, Canada is a great place to be. I think, you know, I've immigrated to Canada many years ago and I think probably was one of the best decisions I made in my life. So let's talk about that. Uh, as you mentioned, you immigrated to Canada after you received your degree in mathematics. Is that correct? Yeah, I've um, I've been born in Ukraine, Odessa, actually. It's a seaport uh, on the Black Sea. And hmm. I've uh, graduated from, you know, State University in Odessa with the degree in mathematics. And in my sort of a previous life, as I say, I used to teach mathematics at the university before I immigrated to Canada. So when did this happen and how did it happen? Well, I've immigrated in 1996. Um, uh, that's when I arrived to Canada. And actually it kind of happened by a chance or a fluke, I don't know would be the right word to say. <laughs> uh, one of my friends back home, they asked me to help out their friends to complete application for the immigration to Canada. And Canada at that time had the program, which it was free immigration for Ukraine, Ukrainian citizens. So, yeah. and then she said to me, why don't you do one for yourself? And I said, mm, I don't know, I kind of haven't thought about it. Even I do know that my family had number of relatives across the world because I'm actually Jewish descent. So it was hmm. a number of people who've immigrated to different countries. So I took your advice and I sort of uh, did the application for myself. And lucky enough, I got the invitation to go for the interview literally in two weeks after submitting the application. I went for the interview, made an impression, I guess, huh. and uh, got the, you know, okay to immigrate. I've actually immigrated within six months. It was really, really quick. Wow, that was quick. Yeah. <laughs> so when you came here, Alexandra, did you feel like an outsider when you began this new life in Vancouver, I believe, right? Yeah, I've actually landed in Vancouver and all the years I've been in Canada, that was my home. So I absolutely love BC, one of the best provinces in Canada and Vancouver, one of the best cities to live in. I Yeah, it was really challenging, I would say, within the first year. Um, hmm. Immigrating to such a different society, 
does, um, I don't think you can actually get prepared to how different it is. Yeah. Because you coming from, you know, there's a two very culturally different countries, uh, politically different countries. And, you know, I've been given a really good education. I knew about Canada, but I have to say nothing really prepared me to overall what the lifestyle is, what the, even the sense of money, you know, mm. how much cost of living, how much do you need to spend daily to actually be able to eat? I wasn't prepared for that. And when I immigrated, I really didn't know anyone here except one person. And it was um, my friends from back home. And you also come with the sort of a hope that because you have such a great education, you would be able to apply your education. But as we all know, it really doesn't happen this way. And you need to go through such a huge process of sort of reestablishing yourself you know, confirming your education all over again. And that is difficult because you're coming from the certain level of the, I guess, where you live in your own country, you come from mm. a certain level of wealth and society and things like that. And now you're kind of in front of the choice, what do I do? Right. You're basically starting out again, right? Yeah, you you have to start all over again and you have no options to go and start doing what you you know what you were able to do before so i've started applying for a number of different positions when i came to canada and on one hand i've been told oh you're so highly educated that you mm. so overqualify for the position you're applying but on the other hand you have no canadian experience so you're not ready to oh, work wow. in the position so you kind of you know looking at your own situation, thinking, what can I do? And because uh, I had to decide what job I'm going to get, and I knew it was going to take me quite some time to recertify my teaching degree, because I went to the couple local universities, and if I kind of look at the process, it would probably take me a couple years, but I was a single mother when I came to Canada, and I had to feed my daughter. So I decided, okay, I need to do something. And um, because I wasn't able to get qualified for anything else, I was start looking at the jobs in sort of a service, in the customer service. Right. And then I look at the banking system and I said, wow, that sounds really interesting. Because huh. growing in my country, we were cash-based society. So it was very different. It was very, very different. I've never, before I've immigrated to Canada, I've never had a credit card. I've never had a bank card. <laughs> I, didn't, <laughs> I, did, I did not know what the bank machine is. I huh. Nothing like this was available uh, back home when I was growing up, right? We basically were getting salary in cash and that you live on what you have, right? So right. we were not extended any credit or anything. So it was not a familiar concept to have a credit card. Yeah, and that is true for many countries. I think credit card is a new phenomenon. It's not something that other countries have been using for years, right? Um, Alexandra, so the way you're describing it, obviously there were a lot of challenges in the beginning, but was there anything specific that, just shocked you about the environment and you were like, oh my gosh, why am I here? I don't think I've ever asked the question, why am I here? Because I think I really fell in love with Vancouver and with, you know, nature. It's just such a beautiful city. But I think my very, very first shock was the second day I arrived to Canada because I went shopping for food. 
Huh. And um, I think my bill came like fifty dollars, and I was huh. like, "Oh my god, that was my monthly salary back home." Yeah. So the concept of the money and concept of how much you need to spend to sustain the lifestyle, regardless, you know, either it's a good lifestyle or it's a very minimalistic lifestyle, was uh, shocking a little bit at the beginning. I think that was probably one of the most revelation for me at the beginning. But overall, as I said, I've never, regardless of how challenging it was, I've never regretted the choice I made because I truly believe and I've seen the education through some other people who immigrated here that if you work really hard and um, you should be able to get the opportunity to do what you love and get the job and reestablish yourself. It takes work, hard work. So let's talk about banking. By the way, you're probably one of the first bankers that we are interviewing. So there are a lot of firsts. (laughs) Uh, You ended up in banking. So how did that happen? Well, you know, by nature, I think I have a very curious mind and I always want to learn something I don't know. So the banking system was very different. And I guess uh, maybe my second surprise or shock was when I went to open a bank account and I was given a credit, uh, not a credit card, the bank card. And I believe the individual who was opening the bank account for me, I think just assume that you know what it is. So when I got the bank card, I was like, okay, what is it? And he, he looked at me like, I'm so sort of from a different universe. And I said to him, I, I've never seen anything like this. And I, uh, and he said, well, you know, you, you can take the money out of the ATM. And I was like, you know, you in, in some ways, you're a little bit embarrassed to admit that you don't know uh, because huh. you feel really out of place. So, you know, I didn't say anything. I said, oh, okay, uh, I guess that that's what it is. But I had no idea what it actually means. And then the first time when I went to the store and I had to use it, I literally had to tell the clerk, okay, you need to show me how to do it because I have no idea. So (laughs) that was quite, um, you know, interesting experience. It's so funny you say that because I think that's such an immigrant thing to do when you're like, oh, I shouldn't ask, right? I've done it so many times where if I did not understand anything, I was like, should I ask them? So that was your first exposure to banking system in Canada. And well, and then I said, you know what, it sounds really interesting, right? So I started reading a little bit and doing a bit of the research about the banking system, about investment. And I said, well, that sounds kind of fascinating. And, yeah. you know, with background, having some mathematical background, it's all about numbers. I said, you know, maybe that's the field I should try. And I started applying to different banks and again, was not very successful in getting in because I was sort of been told the same thing. You are way overqualified to go in an entry-level job, but you don't mm. have any experience in Canada. So really, we're not looking to hire somebody who doesn't know how, you know, approach customers or anything like that. And I thought to myself, okay, uh, I can't get there. So I need to get the customer service experience. And then I decided, uh, then I'll just go to retail. I went to the mall. I went to the first store I really like. I went to the manager and I said, you know what? I'm looking to gain experience in the customer service. Um, I'm new to Canada. I've been in Canada only for a couple of months. Um, do you guys have a job? So I was able hmm. to get a job in the customer service and start getting a little bit of the experience uh, in the customer service. And then, you know, another thing which probably happens to every immigrant, you initially arrive, you have a bit of money, 
uh, then you're going through the period where you're not able to get the job, uh, money run out, and you mm. have to go on the social assistance. And that's what I had to do. And for mm. many, many years, I have to tell you, I was very embarrassed to admit um, that I had to use social assistance because you just couldn't survive, right? And you feel, especially again, coming from uh, a immigrating was having a great job in the past and never need, needed those type of services it's very embarrassing mm -hmm. but i had to do it because you know i had a child and um, i have to feed my child so i did it and it was very good i have to say that i was very lucky meeting really good uh, people in the social service who helped me along the way and encouraged me and through that service, I was actually able to get into the banking because they were running so, so sort of like a practicum. And they said, you know, we can get you into the banking for three months. Uh, they're willing to take you in. You just do like a, you know, like student do their practicum and you can see if you, if you like it. So that's the way I actually was able to get into the Bank of Montreal. Bank of Montreal took wow. me as a practicum for the CSRO. And that's how my career started with the Bank of Montreal. That's so interesting. So you mentioned uh, Bank of Montreal and that they were extremely supportive of your career growth um, mm -hmm. and played a role in a way, right, in your adjusting to a new country as an immigrant. I mean, you've been with the company for close to 25 years. That's right. It's I sort of consider Bank of Mon Montreal my only employer in Canada. <laughs> I've been in Canada for about 26 years and... 25 years I've uh, been with the Bank of Montreal. You know, that is huge, Alexandra. Like 25 years in one place, that is so commendable. Now, while they are making efforts in diversity, equity and inclusion, where do you see opportunities for growth within the banking system and specifically Bank of Montreal? I think over the last 25 years I've been with the bank, I've seen a huge shift. And right now, when I look at the Bank of Montreal, for me, Bank is one of the Bank of Montreal is an exemplary in terms of how we embrace the diversity and inclusion, how mm -hmm. much we make focus at making sure that we have diverse employee population, because by having diverse employee population, you uh, enhancing the not only experience for our customers, but the experience for our employees. I know how much work bank does in terms of making sure that when you um, start with BIMA and your new employee, what services and what support we're able to provide. We have uh, employee resource group, and I'm actually leading one of the employee resource group in Western Canada called Mosaic, and that group is to really provide support for visible minorities and new to Canada or North America employees, um, just to help them to assimilate in a new culture, to help them assimilate understanding what the corporate culture looks like. And one of the things which is really near and dear to my heart is to actually helping people who may don't look like immigrants, but they are immigrants, right? Because <laughs> myself, I look Caucasian and, you know, nobody yeah. probably, when people look at me, they I don't think they would think I'm an immigrant until I start yeah. talking because I have an accent. But when you're immigrating from, regardless where you're immigrating from, regardless how you look like, the challenges are very similar. 
That's true. Right. And especially if you're immigrating from the block of countries who are not as advanced as North America, who don't have the same uh, system of education or standards of living, that society is very different, right? When I look at the former Soviet Union or, um, you know, any Eastern bloc of countries who used to go through, like, who used to have a similar uh, political system as the former Soviet Union, it, it's very different, right? Hmm. So I think what I really give kudos to Bank of Montreal, and again, it's hard for me to comment on other banks, I'm not working in other banks, right. but what I give huge, huge kudos to the Bank of Montreal is how open and diverse we are and how much effort we're putting to making sure that we continue that culture and that becomes sort of a central focus of everything we do. Hmm. So hmm. all our new employees, they get familiarized right away with employer resource group and what the support is available to them. And to me, that's huge. I wish it would be what I started. It wasn't like that when I started. But I think that's what's great about uh, what I've seen in Bima, that progression and development. Right. Alexandra, I want to circle back to what you just said. Um, in terms of immigrant identity, I find that our society has partitioned Western Europeans and Eastern Europeans into these contrasting categories, right? Um, for the term European, I can see m how most conjure up Western European culture, art and people because that is what is in the media and that is what is taught. Something as specific as accents, somehow those of Western Europeans are considered more posh or whatever you call it. This whole retelling of history has rendered Eastern Europe as behind in some ways from a democracy and maybe globalization standpoint. Have you ever felt this difference in your life? Oh, definitely. Uh, I definitely felt this. And I think I grew to not to tolerate it, but be actually proud. Because in reality, you know, you actually speak a couple languages, right? Where sometimes right. people who only speak one language, they only speak one language they're born with. And you made this extra effort to learn and converse and live in a country and you're fluent in the language, even though you have an accent. But definitely at the beginning when I started working, uh, you experience because some people want to make a, a point to you that you have an accent and they kind of pointing it out to you. It's not that I don't think you need to be tolerant about it. I think you need to be proud that you have an accent, yeah. that you're able to assimilate in a new country. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with anyone speaking different dialect or an accent. And I think the beauty of Canada for me, it's how multicultural this country is. And when I look at my own family right now, so I'm married to Japanese person, Japanese guy. <laughs> so my kids, my kids are mixed. And in some ways they actually looks they look more Asian than Caucasian. So my kids look way more Asian <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> um, you know, I've been asked, are you really their mom? Which was interesting to us. I said, yeah, I am. Um, but when I talk to my kids and, you know, we talk about the invisible minority and uh, my daughter, when she was completing her first work application to Starbucks, and uh, it was a question if you're a visible minority. And she says to me, what do they mean by that? I said, well, this is what it means that you look different. Mm. And she, she looked at me and she says, but I'm born in Canada. Why would I be a visible minority? So right. I love that our kids is thinking about it a little bit differently and that it's 
just overall acceptance. It doesn't matter how you look. It doesn't matter what language you speak. You are the equal member in the society, right? And I think that's what's really, really important. Absolutely. So you talked about your kids. I believe you have three kids. Um, being a parent, how have you raised your kids with your Eastern European heritage in mind? Is there anything specific that you practice at home? Is it food? Is it some other cultural norm that you're very particular about? So my heritage, so I think I've mentioned I am uh, a Jewish descent, so I'm mixed. My, uh, on my mom line, um, I came from a Jewish uh, sort of a roots, and on my father's line, it's sort of an Eastern European. So what I try to do with my kids is to give them a flexibility to choose and learn every sort of a part of heritage we have. So they have yeah. Japanese heritage, they have Jewish heritage and Eastern European. And in the family, we do have, we have different type of food. We love Japanese food and we love Jewish food and <laughs> some of the Eastern European. So it's sort of a part of our daily, I guess, routine. And I've tried to expose my kids to, again, just learning, learn about Jewish uh, religion, for example, or heritage, learn about Japanese culture, learn about the Eastern European culture, that you guys know what you came from. And then you have a freedom to really, if you wanted to sort of assimilate with one route more than with another, then you have a freedom to do it, but do it based on the knowledge and learning you have about each sort of a mm. culture and every route you have where you came from. Mm. Is there a particular uh, Japanese um, or Jewish food that you are really fond of? Me particularly, I love sashimi. My kids love rice. <laughs> they, <laughs> they really, really love rice. Um Jewish food is, it's its a kind of, there's a lot of different cultural pieces to Jewish food. My kids love latkes. It's like uh, pancakes from potatoes. Yeah, they, they enjoy that. So do you cook at home, Alexandra? Is that something that you do? I, I do some, yeah, because, um, you know, I kind of inherited from my grandmother. She was an amazing cook. So, and I have a bunch of recipes she left for me. Uh, we different type of food at home all the time mm. just to make it fun. You just mentioned freedoms, right? Freedoms that we experience when we move to a country like Canada or even the US. Now, many a times, some freedoms are not part of our consciousness when we are growing up in a different country, but then when we immigrate, we realize that they exist and we experience them. What freedoms did you experience when you moved? What really surprised you about Canada? For me, it probably was ability to speak your mind and to be very open about it. Um, again, I love that regardless of your orientation, for example, you know, especially with the LGBTQ community, how open it is and how welcoming Canada and you don't need to hide who you are. I know it's not right. perfect and uh, absolutely not perfect, right? But hmm. uh, it's great to see how much freedom people have. Where I was growing up, you know, that's not acceptable and it wasn't, you know, we've been taught it doesn't exist. And I know people have been prosecuted and put in prison just for because of who they are. And to me, that the greatest benefit I can see in Canada or, um, you know, any open 
country who is welcoming and accepting people for who they are and regardless of their orientation. That for me was probably one of the biggest things that I don't need to be afraid to show who I am. Mm. I'm not going mm. to put in prison. I'm not going, to, my family is not going to, to have repercussions because I've said something. Um, that's one of the things for me, I, I really value and appreciate that freedom. And on the flip side, talking about human interaction, was there something that was challenging to accept or bothered you or still bothers you about how Canadian society is structured? Um, I wouldn't say how the Canadian society is structured. I think what still bothers me, there is a number of people who don't tolerate other people. Uh, mm. And, you know, I've said I've experienced myself in terms of um, people pointing out to me that I have an accent or just making it really difficult to converse because every single time you say something, they'll tell you, oh, pardon me, pardon me, like you don't, yeah. under- they don't understand what you're saying. So it's sort of a passive aggressive, right, kind of. Um, yeah, absolutely. In some ways, and, you know, I always say you need, if somebody treats you this way, you need to stand up and actually when you say to someone, oh, I, have, I see you clearly not understanding you, should I get someone else who speaks without the accent, people would back off right away and say, oh, no, 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 that's, <laughs> that's not what we mean. So I think, you know, as much as every country is great and bad, we still have a number of people who are so intolerant, right? And right. to me, I really wish that people give each other a chance and accept for people who they are. Just because you don't believe in something, it doesn't mean that somebody else cannot, like if, you know, if somebody practicing or if, I don't know, the, the good example, I think the, the, probably the best example right now would be with vaccination, right? I think we right. see so much, so much intolerance right now and so much... Um, there's so many different opinions to me you can absolutely have a different point of view you can believe in something different but you still need to tolerate each other so is there anything about ukraine that you miss food (laughs) 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 um you know especially the city where i'm from odessa is very well known for really really great food because Odessa is um, it's a cultural center and it was built on a Greek village and there is a really great combination of cultural like Greek, Jewish, Russian, Ukrainian, right? There's so many uh, d- different type of heritage uh, in that uh, city. So food was always amazing. And I think if you visit Odessa, you will notice that number of really great restaurants <laughs> they have. And also if you know someone there probably one of the most welcoming people every single time they'll invite you to their home you will have a feast like (laughs) the food they cook and the the way they welcome you is really amazing so i would say food that's probably one of the things but there's a couple stores and couple places here in vancouver where i can actually get the food uh, which i miss from home and uh, i do it regularly and get my kids to enjoy it as well You know, this is so funny because I was recently in Pakistan and there is this particular snack that I am obsessed with. When I went back, I was just having it almost every day. I can't find those flavors, right? The way Mm -hmm. it's made in Pakistan and it's so frustrating. Despite having so many restaurants here that cater to that kind of food, it's amazing how you know, different places have their own 
way of cooking and their own style, which is just, you know, um, etched in our memories. And it's so difficult to let go as immigrants. It's your childhood, right? It's those uh, warm memories of childhood you have, right? When you have those wonderful moments with your with your family or with your friends gathering around the table. Because I think food is unite people quite a bit, right? It's one of right. the places we always get together. Alexandra, I want to go back to Bank of Montreal. And you talked about how comfortable you are with the environment and their efforts in terms of diversity, equity, and inclusion. What additional actions do you think companies, any private company like BMO can take to better integrate equity into its HR practices, especially hiring and career development? I think every company needs just to continually progressively improve um, Mm. the programs they have. I think we need to make sure when we hire, we diversify our work population uh, because I think that's very, very important. And every company needs to take a look and see what else, what other programs we can create for people when they enter our workforce to be comfortable with, right? So... Mm. For example, if you uh, just immigrated and you're starting in a company, what help can we provide you knowing that, for example, uh, your language skills may not be as great as you want them to be? Do we need to provide support in really helping you with the language, for example, right? Or right. Writing, writing skills or making presentations, for example, if this is part of your job, right? Of course, a lot of times we think that employee will take initiative and do it on, our, uh, on their own. And a lot of people do, but I think it's great when the company have that support. So I think for any company moving forward, diversity hiring is very, very important and having tools that enables you people to feel really good in the work environment and feel that they can be themselves, that they can embrace their cultural differences, but at the same time, they feel is to kind of fit in in a corporate environment. In the end, Alexandra, as a Canadian, if you were to describe America, how would you do that? America or Canada? (laughs) (laughs) You know, we've talked so much about Canada. I just want to get your perspective on America. Mm, I think there are differences, right, about um, United States and about Canada. I don't think I can give it the justice because I haven't really lived in the U.S. I've traveled to the U.S. and I certainly love parts of the U.S. uh, where I travel. Um, You know, the closest city to us is uh, Seattle. And I think Seattle is really similar to Vancouver. I love people in Seattle. I love culture there. I think what I love, what I know, know about America, it's again, how multicultural it is. Yeah. I know that America has a long way to go as any country in terms of the embracing people and really accepting for who they are. And America has their own problems and we have their our own problems. But I think we're all on the right path. Um, I love the cultural piece in America. There's a lot of uh, different cultural aspects. You know, we all know Hollywood and, you know, Broadway. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm a big fan of theater and ballet. And so I know that American ballet is amazing. Uh, I've seen performances, so that's wonderful. 
Um, but in terms of the, you know, any um, my comments about living in America, I can't really comment properly yeah. because I've never lived there, but I love traveling there. You know, Canada is one place I visit often because my um, family lives there. I love the place. As you said, it's a lot of fun every time I'm there. And I'm so glad we were able to do this. This was fun, right? First banker on Immigrantly. I had so much fun talking to Alexandra. If you want to know more about BMO, check out their website and their work on diversity and inclusion. Also, if you like the episode, you know what to do, right? Download, share, like, write us a review. We are waiting for you to tell us what you think about Immigrantly. And as always, um, keep supporting us and come back next week for another interview. Take care.